Aaron and I took a much needed week off from recording, so please enjoy these two episodes from our Patreon vault. We will be back next week with new content. So, Erin, if I had to ask you how many degrees it is inside your house, how many degrees would you say? 68. Now, reverse that, and that's what's in my house right now. <laughs> Did Well, according to the article that's been floating, I'm assuming all over your Facebook, because it's been all over mine. Oh, absolutely. The ideal setting for your home in the summer is 83 degrees, and everybody in Texas and the South laughed. Um, well, I am making up for everybody, (laughs) making up for everybody because we are now on day three. Um, they came out to fix it and, uh, he replaced the motor and the capacitor and it's still not fixing. So, I mean, those sound like very important things, but I don't know what they are. You know, I do know what a motor is, but I like the capacitor. I thought was a thing that took them back to the future. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Isn't the capacitor the very expensive thing I had to put in my car? I, does does your car You remember work now? that long ago? I mean, ish, kind of. I was it saying, like, dude, maybe capacitor is just the word that people tell you whenever they just, like, <laughs> want to fuck you over. Yes, I think that's it. We figured it out. We're on to you, world. Just go tell people that they need their capacitor fixed. I'm just going to start charging people for capacitors. You should. Oh, man. I'll call parents. I'll be like, listen, you know what's wrong with your kid? That capacitor. The left phalange. (laughs) There's not a phalange on the airplane. The plane doesn't even have a phalange. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever hear, like, the whole story behind that? Like, that scene? Yeah. Yeah. But that scene and the scene, also the scene where Chandler and Monica go on their honeymoon. So the, actually the scene where Chandler, Chandler and Monica go on their honeymoon, they had filmed like a bit where Chandler threatened or Chandler like was going through security and was like, LOL, good thing I don't have a bomb. But then 9-11 happened and they were like, mm. oh, yikes. so they had to redo it. And that's why they had the, they did the phalange thing. They were like, we can't make up a, a part because people are so like, PTSD from it, so they that's why they came up with the phalange. Oh, that's funny. Something that was so obviously not a plain part. Right. Yeah. Anyways, I know I'm I'm here for all of your friends' knowledge. Thank you. Now can you come fix my air conditioner? No, I cannot. Well, worth a shot. That fucking capacitor. I think it's your capacitor. (laughs) I don't have the capacity to deal with this bullshit anymore, is what I got for you. I think it's your capacitor. Now send me $500. On it. <laughs> you know, because I'm just made of cash. I, you, I mean, I'm looking at you. You are literally made of cash. Yes. I didn't want, I didn't want to break it to our fans this way, but <laughs> I'm literally just a talking pile of money. That's why we've not done live shows. I didn't want to come out this way. <laughs> you really should donate to our Patreon. <laughs> That's the only way I'll grow. Speaking of Patreon. <laughs> 
started this recording to record an episode for the lovely people. We did, but listen, Patreon. you have already told me that this case is awful, so... You know, this case is awful, but it's incredibly fascinating. And I went down a bit of a wormhole, and I still haven't come out of it quite yet. Is this the one that my friend Barbie asked us to cover? Mm-hmm. Okay, this one's for you. Um, she kept me sane at the first school I ever taught at. Um, and so uh, we have been friends for a long time. She was the library Aww. aide. And Aww. I have watched her grow up to like teach. And I think now she's actually the full librarian at that school. Amazing. And so I know that everyone paid their $5 a month to hear me tell Barbie's life story. Yes. So you're welcome. Um, so yeah, th- that'll be it for us. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the case that sucks. She's a librarian now. Yeah. Oh my god. Actually, I would love to be a librarian. Are you kidding me? Right. Just sit all day in the library. Okay. Look, my idea of a librarian is like somebody who sits in the library and reads books all day. But I know that that's not her actual job. Yeah, that's just a bum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, she asked us to cover the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Um also known as the Phantom Killer case. Da, 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 da. I don't know what that is. That's the Phantom of the Opera. In oh, sleep well, he sang to me. In dreams he it's gave. not the Phantom of the Opera, which is my least favorite musical. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Have you ever heard of this thing called Cats? <gasps> oh, Cats is pretty bad. Cats is my least favorite, and it's I just, Dr. well, here's Sarah's the thing: favorite. I've never seen, I've never seen Cats, but I've never, I have seen the Phantom of the Opera, and I've never seen a good performance of the Phantom of the Opera. Um, there was one that was on Netflix in the in Royal Albert Hall that um, Christine was the absolute mm-hmm. best Christine I've ever seen. I it, my phone just vibrated across the floor. I mean, across the desk. I heard it. Okay, back to um, the Phantom Murders. Mm-hmm. So just like a little background of Texarkana for any of you that aren't in Texas. Or Arkansas. Or Louisiana. Or whatever the other state is that comes out on the other side. Oklahoma? I don't remember. No, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm from There's Texas. a place with a four state. Well, well, only three. Yeah, we do, we only three meet in Texarkana. Right. So, but there's a fourth that meets like a little bit further out. So they they call that's why. So Texarkana is half in Bowie County, Texas, and half in Miller County, Arkansas, and that makes it a place rife with crime because it's easy to jump across the state lines. And be like, oh, I wasn't in Texas. I was in Arkansas. I assume. I don't know how crime works. <laughs> um, you know, that's what I do. Okay. And actually... It is Oklahoma. I just pulled up a map. Oh, good. See? You already know more than I do. I know one thing. You do know one thing. Congrats. <laughs> now, capacitor I'm still not sure about. But Oklahoma, no, I got I'm, I think it's big. Um, so... Texarkana actually still has one of the highest crime rates and highest murder rates in the country. Holy shit. 
This case, however, occurred in 1946. Oh, that was a good year. I don't know why I put 1945 in the first one. Anyways, like I said, I went down a rabbit hole with this case. I got um, a lot of the facts and information from um, Wikipedia, but I also got a lot of the little anecdote stories from um, All Crime No Cattle. They did a good two-parter on this, and it was I liked it a lot. So if you don't go listen, if you don't listen to All Crime No Cattle, you probably should. It's a good one. Um, Is it so- like? cowboy murders like what is the it's all texas crime oh shit i've never heard about this Mm -hmm. i want to listen to it it's like my songs of the heartland i think it's texas unsolved wow you know i live unsolved Mm -hmm. yes i do so february friday february 22nd 1946 jimmy hollis age 25 and mary jean larry age 19 went on a double date with Jimmy's brother, Bob, and a girl that he was seeing that Jimmy had introduced him to named Virginia Fairchild. They went to a movie and then out to eat afterwards. Jimmy drove Bob and Virginia home and then drove to a lover's lane with Mary Jean. And I'm going to say on the top, the one thing I learned from this case and everything else I've been listening to this week, never go parking. Ever. You will die. Well, and additionally... This is 2019. Just don't. Like. I, it was, so I was, I've been listening to Billy Jensen's book. And so it's, it was Son of Sam, the Zodiac Killer, this guy. They were all targeting people parked on lover's lanes. Just don't do it. Don't make out in your bedroom like normal people. Exactly. (sighs) So, okay, in my research, the next part of this is told about a hundred different ways. So I'm not a hundred percent sure what was happening. They there's stories where they were both inside the car. There's stories where Jimmy was outside the car and Mary Jean was still inside the car. There's ways that were they were both outside the car. I don't know. Um at around eleven fifty-five PM, Jimmy and Mary Jean were interrupted by someone shining a bright light in Jimmy's face, effectively blinding him. It was a man in a white cloth mask holding a flashlight who tells Jimmy, quote, take off your fucking pants. If I had a dollar for every time someone shined a light in my face and told me to take off my fucking pants, I would have zero dollars. Yeah, me too. But it's a dream. Uh, I might have a couple dollars. I would they would actually pay me to put my fucking pants back on. So that's where we are. <laughs> um, Jimmy thinking that it could be like a prank and he's, or he's been like mistaken from somebody else tells him, tells the guy, Hey man, you've got the wrong guy. Like this is not, I'm not the person that you're meaning to pull this ridiculous prank on. Right. And the man replied, quote, I don't want to kill you. So you better do what I say. Take off your goddamn pants now. Mm, I don't like that. So he does because, duh. Right. Like, I mean, what else would you do? Then without warning, the man hit Jimmy in the head twice with a gun. Mm-mm. Mary Jean later told police that he, the sound was so loud she thought the man had shot him. But what she actually heard was the sound of his skull cracking. Oh, oh, uh-uh, mm Mary Jean thought they were being robbed, so she ran over to Jimmy's pants and pulled out his wallet, showing the attacker that they did not have any money. 
um, the man asked for her purse. And when she said she didn't have one, he called her a liar and hit her on the head. Um, she fell down to her knees, stood up, and then he told her to run. So she fucking takes off. Good. Um, she tries to run towards a ditch, but the man yells at her to run by the road. And since he's the one with the gun, she's like, gotcha. Yep. By the road. That's what I was planning way. on. How did you know? Mm-hmm. I was The road was calling to me, and I was like, yes, let's do that. Um, she sees a parked car at the side of the road, but it was empty, um, possibly because it was the killers, but it's never confirmed. Um, so she keeps running in her heels because it's the 40s. Right. But the man starts to chase her. He catches up to her and asks her why she's running. And when she answers him because he had told her to run, he again called her a liar knocked her down and sexually assaulted her with the barrel of his gun hey i don't like that yeah um there are gonna be a lot of things that you don't like that happen Mm, this this story's canceled thanks thanks barbie for suggesting it this has been lifetimes (laughs) (laughs) so after he finished that she got up and fled to a, a house a half a mile away to phone the police Back at the makeout spot where we left Jimmy, he regains consciousness, staggers to the road, and flags down a car. Again, he's covered in blood because he's been attacked, and he's not wearing pants. So he flags down a car, and the guy's like, yeah, you're not getting in my car, but we'll go like call the police for you. Yikes. Um. So Mary Jean and Jimmy are both, the police call, they come out, they take both of them to the hospital, um, and the sheriff arrives to investigate the scene. Um, Jimmy's skull was fractured in three places, and he quickly slipped into a coma. Um, Mary Jean needed stitches on her head and was kept overnight in the hospital, but then released. Um, Mary Jean told the sheriff that she did not know the attacker, but she thought he was a black man. Uh, the police, however, thought that she did know her attacker and that she had made the whole story up. Okay. Uh, Mary Jean and Jimmy were both going through divorces at the time. So, of course, her soon-to-be ex-husband was, like, the number one suspect. Um, but he had a solid alibi, and there was really no animosity between them. They had married before he had gone off to war, and then when he got back, they just decided that it wasn't going to work out between them. Okay. No, she had been 16 when they got married, so. Right, right. It's amazing how you change. <laughs> um, but the investigators still believe that she knew the, her uh, their attacker. When Jimmy was finally well enough to speak to police, he also told them he didn't know the attacker, but he also thought the man was white while um, Mary Jean thought the man was um, African-American. Okay. So there's already a dispute, like, but also he was being brutally hit in the head right both of them were a little distracted yeah so with no evidence and no leads the investigation goes nowhere and even though mary jean and jimmy both told police they thought the man would attack again they said this guy for sure is gonna hurt somebody again um cut to Sunday, March 24th, 1946, so a a few weeks later, Richard Griffin, um, 29, and his girlfriend, Polly Ann Moore, who was only 17, 
Okay. And I was like, hmm. But it was the 40s, I, I guess. Right. In the 40s, women didn't have rights. But still, like, ooh. If you're 17, you're dating someone that's 29, don't. Um, they were found dead in Griffin's 1941 Oldsmobile by a passing motorist. Um, the car was parked on a lover's lane called Rich Road near a night hangout spot that I think was just like a bar okay. called Club Dallas. Okay. Um, at first, the motorist thought they were asleep. But as he approached the car, he realized they were dead. Griffin's body was found between the front seats on his knees with his pockets turned out. Um, and once again, there are differing reports from what I read on Polly Ann's position. She was either in the back seat or in the passenger seat of the car. Okay. Both have been shot twice in the back of the head. Don't do that. Yeah. Because of the spatter in the car, it was believed that Richard had been shot while inside the vehicle. Um, a blood-soaked area nearby suggested that Polly Ann had been killed outside of the vehicle and then placed back into the car. Okay. Um, again, differing reports on whether or not Polly Ann was sexually assaulted. I'm going to say she wasn't because it's my story and I prefer to live in La La Land. Okay, so sounds good. Um, police found congealed blood um, along the running board of Richard's car that had flowed through the bottom of the floorboard. Uh-uh, no. Like, while he was bleeding out, yeah. As well as a thirty-two caliber shell. Um, when the bodies were found, it had been raining. So again, there was basically no physical evidence. Another hindrance to the investigation. Let's. I'm going to call this segment, How Did the Police Fuck This Up? Oh, they're so good at it. Um, they did not establish, like, a, a cordoned-off police line to keep the public out of the crime scene. I don't see why they so would So everyone and their mother was just... They were just walking through the crime scene. Well, yeah, it's the quick, um, it's the quickest way home. You expect me to walk a perimeter? Yeah. But yeah. Also, While letting everyone take a stroll directly through a crime scene, a passerby found the keys to the car that had been buried down in the mud from everyone stepping on them. Uh, also, let's be for real, though. If you and I had the chance to walk through a crime scene, you we totally would. I mean, not now. I wouldn't touch anything. Not knowing what we know now, but in the 40s, you and yeah. I, we would have straight up, or 60s, when did you say this was? 45, 46? Yeah. The we, 40s. We straight 46. up would have. This guy, like, literally, like, reaches down, like, picks up the keys and is like, y'all need these? <laughs> hey, when you're done with the car, can um, I take it for a drive? Exactly. Additionally... When they had the car towed so they could have a fingerprint specialist come take a look at it, the tow truck driver noticed that the officers pushed the vehicle into position in the lot with their bare hands. I don't see why Before the fingerprint specialist came to look at the car. Well, yeah, so those are like the control fingerprints, you know? So, like, when you do a scientific experiment, you have to have (laughs) the unaltered experiment and then, the like, the ones that you give the treatment to. Those are the test fingerprints to make sure that they know which fingerprints are which. Um, You're supposed to bring in six to eight people to just touch the fuck out of that car. It helps you solve the case. (laughs) I mean, it didn't work very well because this case is unsolved. Well, yeah, because only three police officers pushed it. 
There was also a mix-up at the morgue, and Polly Ann's body was released to the funeral home before they could do an autopsy. Uh, like, it sounds like you're just making a book that won't ever be published because it's so unrealistically bad. I can I can hear, like, the carnival music, like, with the clowns come out of the car. Like, right? <laughs> um... At this point, a citywide investigation was launched, including members of both city police departments, the Department of Public Safety, um, Miller and Cass County Sheriff's Office, and the FBI. They offered a $500 reward. However, it ended up producing more false leads than anything else because everybody wanted that 500 bucks. Times were tough in the 40s. Listen, $500 is $500 even today. True. Um, Betty Jo, oh, April 13th, 1946. Paul Martin, this is so sad. Paul Martin, 16, and his friend Betty Jo Booker, age 15. Betty Jo was playing a weekly music gig. She played the alto sax. Okay. Um, she's playing a gig at the VFW. Around 1.30 in the morning, Paul arrived to pick her up. Around 6.30 in the morning, Paul's body was found lying on the side of the road near some farmland. Yeah, not a fan. He had been shot. He had been shot four times. Once through the nose. Oh, ow. Which I find especially heinous. What? <laughs> no. Once through the nose. Once um, through the rib. In his right hand and through the back of the neck. I'm not a Betty huge Joe's body fan of found... all the words you just said in that order. Oh, just wait. Betty Joe's body was found about two miles away later that morning. She was fully clothed with her right hand in the pocket of her overcoat. She had been raped and shot twice, once in the chest and once in the face. Mm-mm. No, take it back. It was determined the same weapon from Richard and uh, Polly Ann's murder was used in this murder. Um, Paul's 1946 Ford Club was found about three miles away from Betty Jo's body and a mile and a half from Paul's body. It was parked with the keys still inside. Mm. The conditions of the body um, indicated that both Paul and Betty Jo had really fought until the very end, which... As a t- as like a young teenager, that's like a- so admirable. Uh-huh. You know? Absolutely. The police were unable to recover Betty Joe's saxophone at first, which just created a distraction um, while they tried to locate someone who maybe stole it. Um, however, it was discovered six months later, still in its case in the underbrush near where Betty Joe's body had been found. Oh my gosh. So like they just they were going they went on this wild goose chase uh, looking for the saxophone and they just didn't search the area. Very I was gonna well. say additionally like did you just not go searching? They're like not those bushes. Those look fine. They're like playing <sighs> literal Scooby Doo and they're like let's split up gang and never make it to the important stuff. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um. And then we finally get to May 3rd, 1946. And you know how I texted you and said, there's a woman in this story that is literally my hero? Yes. This be her. Um, Virgil Starks, age 37, a farmer and a welder, and his wife, Katie, age 36, were in their home about 10 miles northeast of Texarkana 
Virgil had come home from a long day of farming, I guess. Um, Katie gave him a heating pad for his sore back, and he turned into tuned into his favorite radio show. Katie went to lie down and heard a noise in the backyard, so she yelled to Virgil to turn down the radio. Seconds later, she heard what she thought was Virgil breaking a glass, but it was actually the two shots fired into the back of his head through a closed window. Hmm. No. Katie, thinking that Virgil had broken something, rushes to see what happened. She finds Virgil already dead in his chair and runs to the phone to call the operator. So it was one of those crank phones. Right. You know? Yeah. Sorry, I was yawning. Yes. Okay. I know. I'm sorry, I'm boring you. You're not. It's just been. Um, She managed to turn. I know. I know. She managed to turn the wall crank two times before being shot in the face twice from the same Holy window. Holy fuck. Um, this next part is, is going to be graphic, but I want everyone to really honor this woman for the badass bitch that she is because damn. Duly noted. Okay. The first bullet. The first bullet entered her right cheek and exited behind her left ear. Okay. The other went in just below her lip. So below her lip, breaking her jaw and splintering through several teeth mm. before lodging under her tongue. Oh, she dropped to her knees, but then got back up to run and try to find the gun that they kept in their home. However, she was blinded by her own blood. Oh, my God. She could hear the killer... While this is happening, trying to pry the screen off the window. So she went back into the bedroom to leave a note? Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> um, I don't entirely get that, but she'd also just been shot in the face, so... I she can say, we do, do weird things when we point. panic. <laughs> yeah, um, the killer was in the house by now, so she ran... Hold on. Fox News reports the silly feud started Sorry. when one man put up a flyer declaring himself... Alexa! The week. No one asked you a single fucking question. <laughs> I'd rather not answer that. That was incredible. <laughs> okay. What was she telling you? It's something about Fox News, which is why I know she's possessed. Because nobody wants that in this house. It's Trump. He's calling from inside the house. <laughs> it's my microwave. Okay, so anyways, the killer was in the house, so she runs through the house and out the front door, leaving what would later be described by police as, quote, a virtual river of blood and teeth. Hey, let's not ever say all those words in that order again. Throughout the house and across the street, her brother and sister-in-law lived across the street, but they weren't home. So she ran another 50 yards to another neighbor's house and knocked on the door. When the neighbor answered, she gasped, Virgil's dead, and then collapsed. Okay, so all seriousness aside, running 50 meters to any house sounds exhausting already, much less when you're all bleeding out. Exactly. Um, the neighbor, in all of his 40s wisdom... <laughs> took out his rifle and shot it into the air to summon the other neighbors to come out of their home. <laughs> come out, come out, wherever you are. 
Oh my god. And I said, I know I say this about every era that we cover, but what even was the 1940s? Like, Isn't that your bat symbol to assemble your friends? Like, no, it's time to shoot in the air because what goes up must come down. It's time for a girls' night out, and so you just, you just no, I just play shoot, Shania Twain feel like a woman. I guess there's that. Mm -hmm. Um, another neighbor who responded brought his car to bring everyone to the hospital. So it's Katie. The first neighbor, the first neighbor's wife, their kid, and the driving neighbor all piled in the car. <laughs> but I get it, because, like, I wouldn't be staying behind. Like, I don't want to be the one. Right. I'm good. Like, <laughs> um, Katie pulled out one of her teeth with a gold filling to repay the neighbor for driving her to the hospital. Um, You probably didn't have to do that, Katie. You've lost enough as is. I know. Um, although she lost a considerable amount of blood, she showed zero signs of going into shock and her heart rate remained normal. She was even able to be interviewed in the operating room. What a fucking badass. Right? I said, talk about level-headed. Like, nothing. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Um, the Starks attack happened on the Arkansas side of the border. Um... When the police arrived at the scene within minutes, so, like, this is all happening pretty quickly, um, they found Stark still in his chair that had since caught fire from the heating pad. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the officers, upon seeing the amount of blood, said, quote, it is beyond me why she did not bleed to death. Um, they found three key pieces of evidence, the first being some spent uh, shells. The second, a flashlight in the hedge, and the third, some bloody and oh, excuse me, bloody shoe and fingerprints found around the home. The police confirmed that it was a 22 caliber used in the shooting, so it could not be definitively linked to the Phantom. A photo of the flashlight was the first spot-colored photograph to ever run in the Texarkana Gazette. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Additionally, like I'm telling you that they can't like positively link it to that murder like to those murders doesn't make me feel better in fact it makes me feel worse that there could be a second person exactly so at this point the city of texarkana devolves into full-blown panic well no duh people started doing crazy things like locking their doors and closing their windows <laughs> in this neighborhood in the 40s are you kidding me i know they also did actually do some really crazy shit, like nailing their windows shut, uh, blockading doors and windows, setting booby traps in their houses. Um, and you applying. know, you know, there are at least two white bitches who are like, the property value is about to go way down. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Buying guard dogs. Um, women. I, I'm going to guess that they're the women that you just mentioned. <laughs> uh, would stay in hotels when their husbands went out of town. <laughs> they wouldn't be alone i don't mean to laugh because i can't imagine the fear that they were living in but and of course this is texas so they bought all the guns all every one of them local stores sold out of locks guns ammunition window shades and venetian blinds <laughs> for when you want to be safe and stylish yeah duh <laughs> The police were kept busy chasing down every wild goose in town. Um, some businesses reported up to a 20% loss in sales. And I'm going 
gonna stop it right here or stop myself right here because this threw me for a loop because i was already thrown for a loop when they were talking about being out at 1 30 in the morning when they're 16. yeah but the wikipedia page also says during this time in the year 1946 the liquor store started to have to close early because nobody was out what time was the early closing midnight 9 30. Uh, ah in the year of our lord 2019 i the liquor store closes at nine o'clock unless it's sunday our... which then get out of here with that nonsense because we don't sell liquor on sunday right damn see louisiana where i am in louisiana is technically texas like everybody thinks it's just an extension so we have yeah. mostly texas rules um, but mm -hmm. we, our liquor stores stay open until at least midnight here. But mm -hmm. if you go to where I went to college, you didn't even have to go to the liquor store because they sold like hard liquor in Walmart. They just mm -hmm. had like magnetic protected locks on the top. Yeah. I've never seen liquor in a Walmart. Yeah. In well, in Texas, they don't. In Texas, it. you won't. But actually, when I lived in West Texas, they, did, they wouldn't even sell wine at HEB and Walmart. They sold it only at liquor stores because of the alcohol content. Wow. Um, they, the police also released the following statement, quote, we fully understand the state of mind in which Texarkana is now gripped and we are selling no liquor to persons who are already intoxicated. We do not wish to add further to the troubles of the police. Any person who drinks whiskey at this time to get drunk and wander about the streets of Texarkana is further complicating the works of the police and is placing himself in grave danger of being shot by people whose nerves are on edge from the recent murders. Okay, you and I both know that was some Baptist preacher's wife putting out that shit. For reals. Um, and what goes better with people just buying, buying firearms in great um, amounts? Soft cheeses. Um, a good case of the jitters. Oh, okay. That was my <laughs> that was my fourth guess. When you've never hold, held a gun before, but you buy one for your own personal safety, the best thing to do is be completely freaked out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, police officers started driving up to places with their lights and sirens on um, to announce themselves so they would not be shot by nervous homeowners. Oh my god. The Wikipedia article also said, quote, in order to go to someone's house, you had to call in advance and let them know to expect you. And I was like, that's called manners. Well, and also that's called being a millennial. Like, except we shoot a text now. True. Hey, I'm coming over. But like, I don't ever, if, if, I'm not expecting anybody. I'm not answering the door. Right, exactly. I can even know where the Amazon man is. Oh my God. <laughs> um, the investigation was also kind of being run by a complete nut job named Gonzalez. He was a Texas Ranger who said things like, Quote, people should oil up their guns and see if they are loaded. And quote, check the locks and bolts on their doors and get a double-barreled shotgun to take care of any intruder who tries to get in. Um, well, that's one option to all of this. I won't get into too much detail because I know I'm probably running long already, but um, he sounds like a complete showboat who just like to take credit for everyone else's work and stir the pot while doing it. Oh, duh. Um, the newspaper also contributed to the madness by running headlines like, quote, sex maniac hunted and murders. Okay. 
I don't. I didn't make that leap with them, but okay. Um, while most people stayed in their homes out of fear, some teenagers, out of sheer stupidity, went to park on lovers' lanes in an attempt to lure the murderer out and kill him. Can you imagine these, like, okay, please don't imagine this, but imagine these, like, young adult, late teen, like, orgies that are being set up just so they can draw out the murderer. Like, (laughs) bullshit, you were not trying to pull somebody out. Officers also volunteered as decoys, some with real partners and some with mannequins. (laughs) Oh, there's Joe in a sex doll again. Must be working a case. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Um, However, the Phantom never took the bait. About after three weeks with no murders, the town's fear began to subside. After three months, the Texas Rangers quietly slipped out of town one by one through the month of October. It was never announced to the public, so there wouldn't be any additional panic. But just like that, it was over. And he was never caught. But I do want to talk real quick about one suspect. Real quick, before you talk about this suspect, I know yeah. why he quit. He why? was he was offended that they thought he was stupid enough to be drawn out by a sex doll. Probably. He was like, <laughs> y'all, come on. Bear with me. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. That's why I can't find what I'm looking for. Okay, um, the main suspect that probably looks the best for this um, is going to be, oh shit, what's his name? I didn't write it all down because I thought it'll just be easier for me to, his name is UL Swinney. Okay. Um, he, so an officer on the Arkansas side saw that a car had been stolen on the night of one of the murders, and so... And a previous, previously stolen car had been found abandoned. So they find they hunt down the guy, and it ends up being this guy named UL Sweeney. Um, they interview his wife, Peggy. Um, she said, um, I just, shit, I'm sorry. That's what she said? Because that seems yeah. like a really bad police interview. Well, does it surprise you? So basically she, I was trying to find the quote, but I can't find it. Um, so basically she said that they had asked her like, oh, um, they were questioning her about the stolen cars. And she was like, how'd y'all find out about those murders? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then she refused to testify against her husband and um, he would not talk when being questioned. So he was sent actually to jail for, um, for the, uh, as a habitual offender for car theft. But another interesting angle is that there are people that think that this was the Zodiac. I knew that actually. Um, as you started to tell this, all I could think was Zodiac. And then mm-hmm. I was like, I must have heard this case in connection to the Zodiac. Yes. There are people that, that believe this was the Zodiac killer, that he took a break and then went back. Um, there were also two movies that were um, made off of this. Uh, one is actually well. They're the same movie. They were just one was it was remade in 2014. Okay. The first one was re- uh, released in the 70s, and it's called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Okay. And it's a horror movie. Um, so every October, the movie The Town um, Parks Association runs the movie in the parks. That's like for everyone to come watch. 
okay. Texarkana, I have many questions. Yeah. He, this also um, inspired probably one of your favorite urban legends, which is the guy with the hook for a hand. Uh-huh, I knew that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the story. Sorry it took so long, but last time it didn't take long enough. I'll eventually figure this out. Um, so you remember how we asked our fans to suggest cases? Yes. I think I want to take it back. <laughs> well, too bad, because we have requests coming in. We so do. I've it. got another request next week that I'm really pumped about. I've already started yeah. researching a little. Honestly, this was like really interesting because I did not know a lot about this case. I'd heard of it, but I did not know a lot. And so I I, I enjoyed researching it. It was fun. Well, good. Also, I, I much more enjoy things that happened a long, long time ago because it feels very distant from me. Right. All right. Man, I am so sorry that I yawned through your whole case because it was interesting. My body's yeah. just rejecting all everything today. Also, maybe you should be much more interesting because for real. <gasps> oh, <dear. laughs> um, all oh, right. Well, dare you. Thank you guys for tuning in to our Patreon episode. Yes. This was fun. I appreciated it. And so keep sending them in. If you have other cases you want us to cover, send them in. We will work on it. Absolutely. Uh, until then, we love y'all. Yes, we do. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. So, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. I mean, have I been watching Mindhunter for the past 27 hours? Probably. Okay, you don't have to brag. Some of us <laughs> have real jobs that we have to go to. <laughs> oh, I have a real job. I just took being, the day off today. <laughs> being a princess is not a real job. <laughs> That's what they all say, but it, it really is. It's hard work, let me tell you. I can imagine. Um, meanwhile, since I have no peasants, peons, or servants to take care of me, I deconstructed Ikea furniture as giving away to people who were supposed to be here two hours ago that never showed up. And they're friends of mine, so it's not like they were strangers. They're probably going to show up while we're recording. You know oh, that, right? Well, they can just stay out in their car. Bye. I put it in the garage. <laughs> Go get it. Uh, Frederick, drive to Paul. <laughs> And uh, built my new computer desk, and there's so much more space in my bedroom now, like in this guest room. And I'm gonna. It looks you're like in a different spot, or you look to be in a different spot. Well, so I used to be at a corner desk that like put at an angle in my room, Mm -hmm. and so now I'm flush up against the wall. Very cool. But um, all that to say, that was after teaching all week, and as Mm -hmm. you know, I am not a human being anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I came home yesterday when we were supposed to record and passed the fuck out. I was like, where's Paul? Is he <laughs> mad at me? Like, what happened? Did he die? <laughs> <laughs> what I especially loved is you sent me, I don't know, 10 text messages. Not once did you call to see if I'm in the hospital or anything. You were like, well, if he doesn't text back, I guess he's dead. <laughs> I was like, damn, Aaron, I know we're millennials, but you could at least dial a number. I would have woken up. 
honestly, I really thought that you were doing something and had told me that we were going to record another time and I just forgotten. <laughs> no, the worst part and is, so is I don't want to call you and you'd be like, Jesus H Christ. Like, why do I like how many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is, is even if you'd called me, I apparently had my phone on do not disturb for three days. So when I took it off today, it vibrated for like an hour straight to catch up on everything it missed. Like going across the <laughs> My kids were like, Mr. Adams, you're really popular. And I was like, duh, have you I met me? I know. <laughs> I was like, that's just my agent. He really needs to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's been a week. Hey, I went to the doctor this week. And that's my anxiety medication. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> it's anxiety. It was much less scary than I thought it would be. So if you need to go see your doctor, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. It's really not. As somebody who's been on antidepressants for a while now, and I just had to up my medication, after the first time, it's really easy to have those conversations. That first time sucks. He was literally so nice, and I walked out of his office and, like, burst into sobs because I had been, like, so afraid. (laughs) <laughs> right. to go and he was literally like the nicest guy it was great so yay adulting Woo-hoo! that's what we do here at lifetime sentence we just adult all day long yeah we're really good <laughs> at it <laughs> like professionals i took a coma that was a nap coma <laughs> I'm, per- I'm professional-ish like me um yesterday somebody said you're dressing a lot nicer this year like why and i looked down and i'm just wearing a button-down shirt and slacks and i was like damn how rough did i look last year for me to be looking nicer that's like one of those oh what do they call it negging do you know what i'm talking about negging where they're like uh, they give you like a backhanded compliment right and supposed to make you feel kind of bad about yourself no he wasn't he was being so genuine was he trying to get you to come home with him <laughs> listen not i don't think every guy's hitting on me just the desperate ones okay but no he's just i mean a, i think every guy's hitting on me well they are you're a princess i know <laughs> actually i'm a duchess so let's get that straight um well would you like to hear something awful i I mean, I've literally been watching Mindhunter for like a day now. So yeah, sure. It's a good thing you've got that anti-anxiety medicine because this is rough. Where's my Xanax? Jesus, okay. So um, are you familiar with Timothy Pitson? No. Oh, wow. Because this is a pretty like current, like recent and current thing. So I'm excited to share it with you. Also, it's awful. So I'm not really excited. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm a, whole, I'm a whole bunch of conflicting emotions is what I'm telling you. I'm in a glass case of emotions. <laughs> um, I told him I loved him and to be good. And then he was gone. Jim Pitson reflected on to People Magazine in an interview about the disappearance of his six-year-old son, Timothy. No, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. Um, and... By the way, my entire document says that I misspelled Timothy because he, his name has two M's in it, specifically because his mom wanted him to know he was special. Oh, that's cute. Um, so Jim, he would have really gone through a stage, or he would, he will, would have. I don't know. I don't know the correct term. 
gone through a stage where he hated his parents for spelling his name differently. Right. You're oh, never yeah. going to find that on a keychain. No. Sorry, bro. Um, and lucky for me, I teach middle school, so I'm always there when kids become self-aware and start to hate their parents for that. It's always in my room. I mean, and <laughs> lately, it's getting worse. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. There's a... I'm like, please stop naming your kid something. If you... You should have to run your kid's name, like, by somebody. <laughs> and if they think it's stupid, then you can't take your kid home from the hospital. So, my, one of my best friends in high school, her name is Jessica. Mm-hmm. And... um her mom's best friend had been in the delivery room with her and basically named her. She flat out said, I know that once you get on all those drugs, you're going to come up with some stupid name and I'll I'll just take care of it. So then they moved to Maryland and that's where Jessica's two sisters were born. And they both have outrageous names. And I was like, where's sister Carla when we need her? You let us down. I saw my son's name. On a particularly emotional day in my pregnancy, I was flipping through a Pottery Barn kids catalog <laughs> and saw this cute little fat baby with my son's, like he had a towel like uh-huh. that was wrapped in a towel with a hood and his, his name was embroidered. And I was like, that's it. That's the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God for Pottery Barn because your kid oh, does not have real. an accessory name. No, thank God. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anyway. So Jim Pitson and his wife, Amy Fry Pitson, had been going through a rough patch in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Recently, Amy had taken off on a cruise with her best friend. And for some reason, it caused strain on their relationship. Um, I get the impression that she just kind of up and went on this cruise. Like, oh, sure. There was no like, hey, honey, in three weeks, you know, like, because, you know, like cruises, you tend to plan well in advance. She's like, bye, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I get it. I feel like that sometimes. Upon Amy's return, the couple began arguing pretty steadily. And, uh, Amy, who had been married three times before, had mentioned splitting up with Jim because of their disagreement. Mm -hmm. Um, she had also previously survived a suicide attempt and had been taking medication for depression. Okay. Um, so unfortunately, this just becomes kind of a perfect storm of awful. Yeah. Sounds like it. Mm. So, um, on May 11th, 2011, that's one month to the day before I married Sarah. Aww. So, um, I almost looked at my Facebook. Oh, y'all been married for eight years? Yeah. We got married as babies. You were babies. Aww. Um, so I was going to look at my Facebook status because, you know, I like to do that whenever it's something that happened in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But undoubtedly, it was something stupid, like 30 days till I marry the love of my life. You would have been the person that we screenshot and oh, sent to and the group chat to, and, and said, drink. drink. Oh, absolutely, I would have. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so on May 11th, 2011, Jim Pitson dropped his son off at Greenman Elementary School in Aurora, Illinois. Mm-hmm. When he returned that afternoon to pick Timothy up, um, the man was told by school officials that his son had been checked out by his mother about 30 minutes after he'd been dropped off at school. Mm. Jim fell into a panic. He had not heard of any family emergency, but that is the reason his wife had cited for picking Timothy up. 
Okay. Um, and he knew without a doubt at that moment that his son had been kidnapped by his wife. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure, Jim checked his house and then he called Amy's work and she was not at either place. He called her phone, but it went directly to voicemail. Mm-hmm. The next day on May 12th, Jim called the police to report the two missing. And here's the thing that I want to stress, because I, in fact, did some research to make sure I wasn't wrong in this. It is a lie that you have to wait 24 hours to report somebody missing. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah. If, if you have any suspicion, you are well within your right and your reason to call the police because they would much rather it be a false report and they find someone safely than for mm-hmm. them to have lost 24 hours of valuable time they could be searching for someone. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know if it used to be that way. And I know that sometimes, you know, depending on the circumstance, I can say, well, wait a little bit, see if they come back. You know, if uh-huh. I call the police and say, I was just fighting with my teenager, they stormed out of the house and I haven't seen them in two hours. Well, they're going to be like, settle down, helicopter mom. <laughs> He's probably fine yeah so but but also it's good to have it like right just on the record you just yeah um i think that if i'm I'm gonna call the police it's gonna be because i really think something has happened oh absolutely um i think that that idea comes out of the 70s whenever every girl who got abducted the cops would be like oh she just ran away like how many girls did they think were running away in the 70s just Apparently, all of them. like all of them, yeah. <laughs> um, uncomfortable massive, tiny runaway. beds and runaways. That's the seventies in one sentence. <laughs> Seriously, I saw your text and I never thought about it, but the minute you said that about uncomfortable tiny beds, I was like, she's right. They are, <laughs> and they actually all look like the beds in in my grandparents' house. Ew, uncomfortable, <laughs> tiny, and like covered in like a weird floral material pattern. no a weird like material cloth oh yeah not, okay but you know like a, like a quilt not like a quilt but not like a comforter yes something in between yes <laughs> like some kind of duvet cover without the middle in it right it's always like a weird color <laughs> yes or chanel yeah. everything's in chanel Um, anyway so um amy did not return jim's calls but she did call her mother she told her mom that they were fine and that she and timothy would be back in a few days she just needed some space um she also called jim's brother and she told him pretty similar things saying that everything was fine but According to True Crime Daily, um, she told the brother, quote, Timothy belongs to me. Um, it takes two to to make a child. And they were in a married relationship. So, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. The story is starting to sound familiar, but I don't remember. I think when out. I get to the end, you will recognize it. Um mm-hmm. So Amy took her car to a repair shop after picking Tommy, Timothy up from school. I changed his name for you. Just, just to confuse everybody. 
<laughs> After picking Timothy up from school, um, an employee at the garage actually dropped uh, Amy and Timothy off at the zoo near Chicago um, while the car was being worked on. So apparently that's when you got service with a smile or something. And Oh, an Uber. Well, this was the 90s. I mean, this is early 2000s. This is 2011. So there was oh, an Uber Jesse. then, right? Um, but the guy from the garage dropped them off That's there weird. and they spent the day at the zoo. Um, okay. And that afternoon when the repairs were finished, Amy and Timothy returned to the garage and um, actually took what sounds like the best weekend trip ever, which makes this cool. whole thing even more sad to me. Oh. Um, after the zoo trip, Amy and Timothy went to a water park in Gurney, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were seen on security footage there. And then they visited a resort in Wisconsin called the Kalahari Resort in... Wisconsin? Yeah. We already know about Wisconsin. I don't like that. (laughs) So, um, security camera footage caught Amy and Timothy walking hand in hand. Jim told True Crime Daily that it looked like Timothy was happy and that he was just following his mom. He had some toys in his hand. He stopped to mm-hmm. play with a truck on the ground, like typical six-year-old stuff. Yeah. Um, he said that Timothy in this video didn't show any signs of distress. And it would appear that he had no idea that something bad was going to happen. No. Along with the water park trip and the trip to the resort, Amy had bought Timothy a collection of toys. They found that she'd bought him um, a blue Hot Wheels starter set and a set of gold coins with animals on them. Cute. Yeah. Um, Timothy was then seen on a security camera on May 13th, so two days after his abduction, at around 10 a.m. This was caught as he and his mother were checking out of the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin. And then um, the timeline falls because the next time Amy was spotted on surveillance footage was around 8 p.m. that night in a grocery Mm -hmm. store in Rockford, Illinois, and Timothy was not with her. Oh, no. Um, That night, she checked into the Rockford Inn, which was a little motel in Rockford, Illinois, um, and she checked in around 11.15 that night. The next morning, a housekeeper found the body of Amy Fry Pitson in her hotel room. Police reported that she had self-inflicted cuts on her neck and wrists and overdosed on antihistamines. She was 42 years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Timothy was not with his mom when the body was found. But she had left a note behind that said Timothy was safe and that he was with people who would care for him, quote, but you will never find him. I don't like that at all. I don't either. So, um, Jim reported that he and Amy taught Timothy how to call 911, so Mm -hmm. he couldn't figure out why he had done, how, why he had not done so. Um, he also worried that Amy may have told Timmy, um, awful things during those last few days that they can track him, that she had him for that weekend and that she could very well have manipulated him into not wanting to go back home or to be found. Um, he also... That's a really short amount of time to I know. do that, though. I, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we're on, this is an unsolved mystery on purpose. Like, right. I didn't pick this because we have logical answers at this point. No, I'm just saying, like, it would be, I think it would be hard, especially a six year old who, like, inherently is instilled to love their parents no matter what. Right. Um, he also reported that they had, um, made an identification card for Timmy, you know, like the ones that you have for police. Um, and so he had one on him, the little boy did, um, so that he could be identified if he was ever found by somebody. But the card was actually found in the hotel next to Amy's body. So she had taken that away before she passed him off to wherever. Okay. Yeah. That um, is bizarre. Now, there are signs that Timothy's disappearance was planned. Amy's cell phone showed that one of her last calls pinged off a tower near Sterling, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And they used the toll records um, to find that Amy had made two trips to that area in the months leading up to his abduction and disappearance. Um, but they couldn't find any ties or connections between her and that area. How odd. Local police put in a massive effort, like, for a very long time, but the case just quickly went cold. They had no leads to go off of. You know, they had nothing. Um, in 2012, police released more surveillance footage that helped map Amy's final days, um, which actually led to nothing, but they were, like, leaking little bits at a time in hopes that maybe Mm -hmm. somebody would bite. Mm -hmm. In 2013, her cell phone was turned in. And this is the thing that makes me, like, scratch my head and go, hold the fuck up. (laughs) So, a woman claims that she discovered it on the side of the road in 2011, just, like, days after the mom, like, after the mom was found. Um, but she claimed that she'd not realized that it was important at the time. So she put it on a shelf in her house until her brother needed a new phone. And so then she gave it to him. So the assertion at this point is she found a phone. Yeah. She kept it in her house for two years, at which point mm-hmm. that phone is so defunct. like Right. <laughs> and then she gave it okay. to her brother who turned it on. And this is where it gets even weirder. So he turned it on and saw the contacts and one of their friends was like, oh, hey, I recognize this contact list. I think that's important to the Timothy Pitson case. So. What? Yeah. Like, there are coincidences and then there's this. There's no such thing as a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Like, so, I'm sorry, but like, I guess nobody else found this as suspicious as I did because all I can think is like somebody quote found this cell phone because I don't believe that she just wandered up on it um, and then holds onto it for four years to give it to her brother. What's she doing on the side of the road? Right. And then the brother happens to have a family friend who can identify the contact list as the like friends of the Pitsons. So like did this friend just have a Venn diagram in his head of everyone who the Pitsons <laughs> knew versus everyone he didn't and this was the only <laughs> circle that lined up? Like That makes less than no sense. I know. So, um, <laughs> I wrote a whole commentary about all that and then I finished with, okay, sure, Jan. Because that's sure. my favorite meme. <laughs> or I gift. love that meme. <laughs> um, nothing came of this revelation, however. And I don't know how, like, like I don't... Wait, we're none of the police, like, um, 
we have questions because <laughs> I have questions. Right. I'm not a cop, but I have questions. Right. Listen. Because that sounds like a load of bullshit to me. It sounds like they're real close to Wisconsin to me. But <laughs> it's like the transfer squad from Wisconsin. <laughs> They're the guys who couldn't hack it in Wisconsin, so they went to <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> so, um, in 2015, so four years after the disappearance, mm-hmm. police pursued a tip called in from Florida that said there was a boy in her neighborhood that looked like the age-progressed image of Timothy that had been produced by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Okay. Um. The caller said the boy had moved into their neighborhood shortly after Timothy's disappearance. And, mm-hmm. um, and according to the Chicago Tribune, Chicago Tribune, um, she said that the family's license plate was from, was a Midwestern license plate. And I was like, Oh, still so specific. Was it just Jesus. printed on a piece of cord? Like, do they not have okay? So like Texas has a different license plate like design than, than Louisiana. Louisiana. I know that. Uh-huh. New York stands out. Like I can see the, the blue skyline on it. Yeah. Uh, are they just all the same? <laughs> I told you it's just an ear of corn. Like, <laughs> you just carve your name into your own corn cob and stick it on your car. And you call it a day. Your, your own corn cob. <laughs> Oh my god okay yeah. <laughs> yeah but it was a midwestern license plate and i was like i don't understand but it's granted for narrowing it down to the entire midwest <laughs> granted this report came from florida so they're already busy being fucked up too <laughs> it's like i couldn't tell because i was wrestling the gator <laughs> florida man calls in t- hot tip thanks thanks guy um the woman also reported that the boy had never gone to school. So, well, um, maybe he's homeschooled. The detectives agreed that the boy did look a lot like the age progressed photo, but it was not Timothy. Okay. So they did investigate this. Um, so over the years, Jim has said that he really does believe his son is still alive and is safe. Um, somewhere with, this unknown people and I I would like to believe it too but I'm too. real suspicious um, but I think it, they would have surely they would have found a him. body right. yeah. um, he even he was building a tree house with Timothy when he disappeared so he finished oh. building the tree house in hopes that his son would return to play in it check it for birdmen <laughs> the regular (laughs) it all comes back around because that's a real problem i hear (laughs) is crazy people dressed like birds hiding in your treehouse i don't know um and then here's where the story takes an even more bizarro turn oh good on april 3rd 2019 so just a few months ago uh almost eight years after timothy's disappearance Residents in Newport, Kentucky, called the police to report a teenager wandering the streets after running across the Ohio, a bridge across the Ohio River. 
Okay. When police arrived, they found the boy who was shaken and disoriented. Um, and the boy told him, told the police that he was Timothy Pitson. So the media immediately went to life. Yeah. I knew you would remember this now. The media immediately sprung this. to life like the media does and tells everybody that Timothy Pitson has been found and it makes the cover of like every newspaper ever. Um, and I mean, there were headlines like, could Timothy have been found? Was Jim Pitson finally reunited with his son? Find out more, you know. Um, Look, I, this is the one, or, okay, there are a lot of problems with the 24-hour news cycle, but this is one of them, wherein you don't have the full story, but you have to report it before the other station does, so you just make it up. Right. Um, So the next day, the Louisville office of the FBI took to Twitter Mm -hmm. to say that the boy in their custody was not Timothy Pitson. Um, that they DNA tested him. Yeah. And um, first of all, I like that the FBI used their Twitter to af- reveal official business. Like, Well, I mean, <laughs> the president does it all the time, so. Yeah, but you'd think that there'd be more decorum somewhere, I guess. But nope. I think it's like, again, with the way the news cycle is, it may be like the fastest, the fastest way, way for to them to put the actual facts out there and just into Right. Social media land without it's, it being misconstrued. It's a lot better than a press conference because you can just ignore all the ads. It's true. Do you remember the press conference when they caught the Golden State Killer? Oh, yeah. I remember just sitting. I was at work watching my Facebook Live, like uh-huh. waiting for that shit to come on. <laughs> yeah. I ran. Were we all in a. We were all friends then, huh? We were. I mm-hmm. thought so. That was still like kind of early in our friendship. It was the, it was like our our first big case. <laughs> it really was because I went running into the school resource officer's office and I was like, "They called the Golden State Killer," and he was like, "The hell is that?" And I was like, "Go away!" <laughs> so I educated him, and then um, he was like, "Do you have family in that area?" And I was like, yeah. "No, he's the Golden State Killer." <laughs> This poor guy His just like I stutter. He just looked at me like glazed eyes, like I need this man to leave my office. And then, good news, I teach his son this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, me like I'll do, I'll call him like Eurons, mm-hmm. which is even more yes nuanced than the Golden State Killer. People are like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Right. You know, like, put your ear like, on. You know, the East Area raper, Rapist and Original Night Stalker, Golden State Killer, they're like, that's one person. And I'm like, yeah, yes. he had, like, he had a big... He was busy list. in the 80s, okay? He's very busy. God. <laughs> um, you act like I'm the one with the problem. You should know about this. <laughs> Sorry, so, I went way off the rails. It's again. okay. So this man turned out to be clearly not Timothy Pitson. He turned out to be... A 23-year-old named Brian Michael Reaney, which, by the way, I look at pictures of this kid. He does not look 14 at all, so I don't know how anybody was like, this is the 14-year-old Timothy Pitson. Have you ever He's got a 7 o'clock shadow. Have you ever watched The Imposter on Netflix? No. Oh, do that. Okay. It's a similar thing. Okay. It's very interesting. Um, It happened, like, in the 90s, so there was no DNA testing. Gotcha. Um... It's really good. 
Brian Michael Rainey had recently been released from the Belmont Correctional Institute in Ohio less than a month before this incident. Um, he... well, good thing we didn't send him on home with the pittance. <laughs> right? Um, he had served 14 months on charges of burglary and vandalism, a third degree and fifth degree felony, respectively. Um, a spokesperson for the Aurora, Illinois Police, Sergeant Bill Rowley, said, quote, Although we are disappointed that this turned out to be a hoax, we remain diligent in our search for Timothy as our missing persons case remains unclosed. So they have not actually marked this a cold case or tried okay. to close it or anything. They It is still a very active investigation. Good. Um, so a couple of things that have come out. Um, Amy Fry Pitson's family um, has basically gone on record to say that they think the reason... Um, all this happened is because she wanted out of the marriage and she knew that her history of mental illness would um, be brought up if there were a custody hearing. So that something in her breaking apart mind said, this is the way that I win. And that I get is that. so sad. Well, first of all, if that was her thought, she clearly needed some help. It's which so, yeah. she sh- and she should have gotten that. But also... To me, like, I hate, I understand custody disputes when there's, like, a, a abuse or, like, a huge issue, but people that use their children as, like, a leverage. way to get back at each other, as yeah. leverage against, it just makes me sick. It's it unacceptable. Just, I hate it. It's completely unacceptable. Um, so, I... This case has stuck with me for a long time. I I remember hearing about it um, back when it first happened. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, it just keeps coming back up. It came back up in 2015 and in 2019. And it's it's kind of like a John Bonet-esque idea. And I feel like all of these kid cases just will be. I feel like the, the media loves to parade around pictures of cute kids every time it's slow. And yeah. and remind people that things suck. And Sarah is having a sneezing fit bless out you, there. Bless you, Sarah. Aaron says, bless you. <laughs> she says, thank you, all of Lifetimes and its her. family. <laughs> oh. Did you oh, see them? Do what? You know what would make me stop sneezing? If I could have the last chocolate chip cookie. Go have it. Thank you. <laughs> solved see i'm a doctor now i solved she's, allergies she's the doctor she solved allergies <laughs> <laughs> did you hear the breaking news this weekend uh the house sold no we already <laughs> are you high right now yeah yes um ed mcmahon with a giant check no what is no. the breaking news this weekend that elizabeth smart's dad came out no. And said he's gay. No. And they're getting, like, he's going to divorce his wife. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Talk about digging up an old case. Thanks. Right? <laughs> Parading you, some Well, you were talking around. about people digging up cases with that, with yeah. kids, and that's what. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I couldn't link all that together for just a minute. Like, I glaze-eyed looked at you while I tried to process all the words that you just said. Elizabeth Smart's father, Ed Smart, reveals he is gay. Um, The father of kidnapping survivor Elizabeth Smart has come out. Well. He made the announcement in a letter on Facebook addressed to his friends and family, then confirmed to the local media and CNN. Well, congratulations, Elizabeth Smart's dad. I'm glad you have come to terms with who you are. 
Yeah, live your best life, man. Yeah. Good for you. That's all we can ask. It's just like, it was like the most random thing that popped up in my time. Right. I was like, what? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I hear you've got a good case for me next week. I do. It's our very first Patreon requested case. I'm so excited. And I'm super pumped for you to tell me about this because I used to work with her. And so I want to know where her crazy mind has taken us. Ooh, how exciting. Yeah. I'm very, very stoked. I can't wait. Um, and it's one that I've, I've never heard of before. So I'm going to, it'll be a, like a new learning. We'll all learn about it together. There we go. I'm so pumped. I really am loving these. The, like, these are this really new, fun. Yeah. Because um, I already have another one that I've started researching that is not a child case. Because oh we had two weeks in a row. We need a break. And three weeks. Because right. I did the... I... Three weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no more kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we appreciate all your love and support. We do. We love you and so much. We don't have a good way to end these Patreon episodes. Nope. Um, so share us with your friends and tell everyone how great mm-hmm. we are. And uh-huh. uh, we love you. Yeah, we do. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Patreon-exclusive episode. The song, She Dreams in Blue, was written and recorded by Josh Woodward and is available at joshwoodward.com.